Kaiser Permanente did a study on adults who felt that they were impacted by this pandemic. And 76% said they were emotionally impacted by the pandemic. And I said baloney. I think 76% were impacted and 24% are lying. I think there's not a single person in the world that hasn't been impacted. So we are connected. We are all connected from this pandemic. So every single person you are talking to has changed how they've approached life. They've changed how they're buying. So we as salespeople have to change. Hi friends, welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Cherry Lynn Castleman. She's the managing partner of CGI Executive Coaching and the Chief Learning Officer for Sistas in Sales, the first national organization to serve women of color in professional sales careers. And in today's conversation, Cherry Lynn and I are talking about her new book titled What's in the Cards? Five Post-Pandemic Sales Strategies. Cherry Lynn calls herself the relationship sales expert, which speaks to my heart and my experience in the world of sales. And in this conversation, we dive into the importance of connections and relationships. And while there are some writers who are trying to downplay the importance of human relationships in sales, Cherry Lynn predicts that actually they're becoming more important. And so we talk about her prediction that she believes that while in the past, sellers allocated about 20% of their time to relationship building and 80% to selling, she believes that post-pandemic, those percentages will be reversed, be 80% focused on connecting and building relationships, 20% on selling. Fascinating conversation. We also dig into her five post-pandemic sales strategies. Now, with the acronym CARDS, as it is in the title of her book, is Collaboration, Analysis, Relationships, Development, Strategy. And we explore in depth what Jerry Lynn believes sellers have to do to become more adaptable to change and become continuous learners. So all this and much, much more. But before we get to Cherry Lynn, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Charlene, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andy. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, it's my pleasure to have you here. So where are you joining us from today? I am joining you from Washington, D.C. Nice, nice. So is it, uh, <laughs> we're having horrible weather here in San Diego today. Hopefully yours is better than ours. It's, uh, it's, it's a little better. It's warm here. Yeah. Yeah, we have, you know, in San Diego, we have these, May and June, everybody thinks San Diego is just, yeah, perfect weather, but we have what's called May gray and June gloom, where it's gray and cloudy most of the days, uh, but then it makes up for it the rest of the year, so we're, we're good. So, uh, yeah. well, so tell us a little bit about your winters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, January in yeah. San Diego can be very nice. I, I will admit that. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you're involved with, um, both your consulting, and we're going to talk about your book today, which I really enjoyed reading, and Thank you. Uh, also organization you're the chief learning officer for, Sistas and Sales. Right. So, Andy, you know, for more than 20 years, I have been helping Fortune 500 companies as a global sales executive. And as mm -hmm. you mentioned, today I'm currently the chief learning officer for Sisters in Sales. And Sisters in Sales is the first national organization that works to empower women of color across the sales sector, black and brown women. Mm -hmm. And I'm also the managing partner and executive coach for CGI. And I help equip small business owners and sales professionals um, to, sell, to solve their tough sales 
um, problems, as well as I'm the author of the book, What's in the Cards, Five Post-Pandemic Sales Strategies. That's right. And we're going to talk about that. So so tell us a little bit more about Sisters in Sales, because, I mean, you know, one of the issues with sales is it's not very diverse in general. I think nearly, certainly two-thirds, if not three-quarters of all sales jobs are held by white males. Um, are we making progress? I think we are. We're making slow progress. Um, Sisters in Sales was started about four years ago. I joined them about, this is my third year with them. Mm -hmm. And it started with a group of about 10 women. Today we have over 3,300 women. And my role as the chief learning officer is to help women be too good to be ignored. And so it's kind of a three pillar. So first it's Mm -hmm. just creating a women, a community for black and brown women. Um, I've been in sales, like I said, since before Girl Scout cookies were a dollar a box. So you can figure (laughs) about how long I've been in sales. And um, I never, ever had the opportunity to be in the room with another black or brown sales professional. And so many of us were like unicorns. We're the only ones on our team or the only ones in the room. So we wanted to create a community where women could come and collaborate and advance their careers and share their strategies. Number two, my goal as a chief learning officer is to help them achieve sales mastery so that they're too good to be ignored. Mm -hmm. And um, part of this was I was inspired by an article I read by Ursula Burns, and she was the former CEO of Xerox. And at the time, she was the only African-American woman in the C-suite for any Fortune 500 companies. And in 2016, she said, you know, black women tend to take roles in HR, and HR isn't going to get you there. Marketing isn't going to get you there, and the arts isn't going to get you there. Mm -hmm. And that women of color have to be close to the product and the money. And that's what sales is. And so I um, set a mission, and my vision is to help teach black and brown women about sales. So I do um, master classes and I do coaching and cohorts and, uh, you know, Friday forums and I write blog posts. And Mm -hmm. if any of your listeners want to learn more about Sisters in Sales, they can connect with me at sistersinsales.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. And the third pillar is we help companies that are committed to increasing their diversity by um, helping them attract, retain, and hire women of color in their sales Mm -hmm. pipeline. Um, So if anybody is interested in partnering with Sisters in Sales, um, I would love to meet with you and talk to you about Sisters in Sales. And if you're a black or brown woman, we invite you to join us. Excellent. Yeah, and as as we've talked about with other guests on the show, is is diversity is good business in sales, and as for reasons you talk about in your book as well as is you know you bring a different set of lived experiences to the job, and it's these differences in perspective that are so important that can also be valuable in so many circumstances. So, yeah, so I encourage people to, as Sherilyn said, is is contact her about that certainly something that that's well obviously well overdue and past due but uh we can move faster i think everybody could admit that so yeah and it's more than just good business so yeah um it is good business because diversity is good for business but it's also um it's 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 the right thing to do right now is to given everything that's been going on with social justice is you know expand your network if people in your linkedin network don't look like you 
I challenge you to expand mm-hmm. your network. And mm-hmm. one of the things that my mentor said to me, um, uh, Bill Green, the former CEO of Accenture, was m- one of my mentors. And he said, Sherilyn, if you criticize people, you raise their defensiveness. But Sherilyn, if you challenge people, you raise their game. So I want right. to challenge your listeners. If everybody in your network, if everybody you're connected with on LinkedIn looks like you, that's what you're going to hire. So connect with women of color. If you don't know any, start with me, connect with me on LinkedIn, and then you at least are connected to the 2,500 women of color in sales that I'm connected to. Right. So I love it. Great suggestion. All right. So uh, we're going to move on, though. We're going to talk about uh, your book because it, it ties into some of these themes because you know I think that success in sales, I, I share many of your perspectives in terms of it's it, this is a human business that we're in. Right. And it's less about sort of the traditional hard skills and more about the soft skills that you that you talk about. And you you label yourself as a relationship sales expert. And it's interesting getting your opinion on something because there's there's sort of this steady drumbeat online of of <sighs> talk about yeah and there's like a post last week on LinkedIn. Yeah, relationships and sales, no one wants those anymore. And they're just not important. And I'm sitting there trying to contain my contain my, my rage right. or my, my impulse to, to write back and think and just and actually the person who wrote that article has been on the show and we disagreed quite uh-huh. uh, vociferously about this. But I'm just interested in your take on that because I you know, I think there's yeah, there's a group of people that just they instantly conflate relationships with friendships, or they hear about relationships and they think about right. what their perception of what they perceived the good old days in sales to be. That was all about golf and drinks and dinner. And, right. And as someone who's been in sales for over four decades, um, quite frankly, it was never that way when I was in sales. <laughs> so I'm not sure what they <laughs> it wasn't were. Wasn't with but, for me either. Yeah, yeah I've I'm never sure. sold that way. I've never sold yeah. once on the golf course. No matter how many times my manager told me to. So. Yeah, well, I, 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 yeah, I look back at my career and I've you know, traveled the world, I've sold hundreds of millions of dollars of equipment and systems, and over 40 years I played golf twice. And I <laughs> counted, as best I could tell, I've taken customers to dinner fewer than a dozen times. Yet, I did have relationships with these people. They weren't my friends. Right. So I'm just interested in your take on that. So, um, so Andy, I think we're aligned. Um, I think that it's, in, you know, so one of the things that I looked at when I was looking at selling coming out of this pandemic mm-hmm. is, you know, um, I was taught that we should spend about 20% of our time getting to know a client and then 80% of our time selling. You know, right. we were the expert, we were selling. And when I looked at the people I was talking to and I was talking and, and the salespeople I was talking to, I realized something that um, Kaiser Permanente did a uh, study on uh, adults who felt that they were impacted by this pandemic. Right. And 76% said they were emotionally impacted by the mm-hmm. pandemic. And I said, baloney. I think 76 were impacted and 24% are lying. I think there's not a single person in the world that hasn't been impacted. Right. So we are connected. We are all connected from this pandemic. So every single person you are talking to has changed how they've approached life. They've mm-hmm. changed how they're buying. They've changed. So we as salespeople have to change. And so my challenge was what if, you know, as, as we recover and reimagine and reinvent ourselves, 
You know, what if we focused on solution rather than selling? What if we focused on relationships rather than selling? Mm -hmm. And so my challenge to people was, what if we flip that? Instead of spending 20% of our time on relationships and 80% of our time on selling, what if we spent 80% of our time on a relationship and 20% of our time solutioning with clients? Clients, regardless of whether they're buying multi-million dollar SaaS solutions or $100,000 software solutions, they've done their research, they're spending time in front of the internet, they're very knowledgeable. So if customers have changed their approach, we as salespeople have to change. And I think we have to connect with people with where they are, and that's what the relationship is about. It's about empathy, it's about listening, it's about connecting. And that's not... You're my friend. That's not golfing. That's not taking <laughs> right. me out to dinner. Right. And I think that's the key word. And I, in, in my book, which is new book, which is coming out in February, it's I go the exact route, same route, which is it's about connection. That's right. the key. It's not so don't get distracted by relationship and you think, hey, this is a friendship or we're gonna go out in the golf course and so on. It's about how you connect to this person as a human being. That's right. And, but if you look at the definition of a relationship, this is what drives me nuts, is the definition is it's a relationship is the way two or more people are connected. It doesn't mean they're friends. It's the way they're right. connected. And if you're selling to someone and you're working to help them achieve something, then you're in a relationship. And That's right. Whether you want to or not, you are in a relationship. And if you connect with them, I hear people saying, oh, I get stood up or, you know, I'm getting ghosted. And I'm like, if you connect with somebody, that will not happen. If you take the time, one of the things that I, t- I tell um, people, and I tell this, it was also in my book, is I talk about the four F's. I said, if you, during your discovery call, whether you're calling current clients, people you've pitched in the past, or brand new people, if you focus on during that discovery interview, connecting with them, and what I suggest is the four F's is you ask people, what was it like the very first day you were back in the office during the pandemic? Everybody has a first day story, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. If you ask people, what what have they figured out? What are they doing better? What's their finest thing that they're doing? That's Mm -hmm. the second F. The third F is their failure. What is the bane of their existence since they've been back? What has changed? Mm -hmm. And the final one is, what is your future? If I gave you a magic wand, what would you change? Once somebody tells you what it was like their first day back, they've mm-hmm. already shared their experience and you can mm-hmm. connect with them. Once somebody tells you what they're succeeding at, you know what's important to them. Right. Once they tell you what they're failing at, you already know how you can help solve them. And if they tell you what their future looks like, they've already solution for you. So now right. you are connected with them and you're helping them solution. You're not selling. How do you say no to somebody who says to you, oh, well, I can help you solution on that. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're not going to stand you up for your next call because they want a solution with you. And so that's the difference with relationship. It is right. connecting around my lived experience and I'm sharing my experience with you. Well, and the important, absolutely. And the thing that, that I think people overlook <laughs> at this time is that perhaps never in the existence of most people who are selling has there ever been this shared experience that they all have, right? I mean, if you can't establish right. common ground, right, some sort of connection with somebody over this shared experience we've all been through around your four Fs even, well, yeah, we got to go back to human school with you because <laughs> you're missing the, the basic gene of, of empathy. But 
But it's never been simpler to make this connection. Never been easier. But if you've never learned right. a whole lot of salespeople, one, we, we, I mean, being vulnerable was never allowed. So now it is be a little vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 you know if um, if one of your clients and you're talking to them, and I always tell people, salespeople, slow down. One of the things I encourage people to do is what I call box breathing. I was like, as salespeople, we come on and we're hard driven and we're like, yeah. we want to get in. I'm like, just slow down, take a deep breath, yep. take a deep breath in, hold it to the count of four, blow it out, hold it at the bottom to the count of four. What that will do is it lowers your blood pressure. Mm-hmm. It quiets your mind. It can mm-hmm. lower your heart rate. Mm-hmm. Then you can truly listen. And if you're empathetically listening, which is level three listening, if you truly listen to somebody, you can hear what's going on between the words. Are they anxious because their company is going through another riff? Are they concerned right. because they've got a two-year-old playing below their feet under their desk? Are they concerned because their elderly parent has been hospitalized because they have COVID? Mm-hmm. All of these things are going on with people. And if you don't connect with what's going on with them, they don't want to talk to you about your software or your solution or anything else you're selling. So you have to connect with people and, and with where they are. And the only way to do that is through empathy. And empathy means listening to them and understanding what's really going on and maybe even asking permission. You've got a lot going on. Is it okay for us to solution a little bit right. or should we chat next week? Well, and I like to boil this relationship thing down into sort of two questions for people. And one is, can you win somebody's business in the absence of trust? And I say, well, it's possible, but not probable, right? Right. And then the second question is, well, can you build trust in the absence of a relationship? And again, Possible, but not probable. And given the pandemic, probably not. If we right. weren't, if everybody wasn't so beaten up, battered, and bruised with what's been going on this last year, and I don't care who you are or how much money you make, everybody's life has changed somewhat, yep. somehow. Absolutely. So if we weren't all dealing with that, maybe. But because everybody is coming to the table differently, then yes, we have to sell differently. And I'm not sure people are buying on price alone or people are buying on, you know, one benefit that your solution may have over a competitor alone. Not sure I think they've ever people had. are buying, yeah. And so they may have, but now that they've done the research, um, you know, and, and, and you're connecting, and if you connect with people, you're going to discover so much. So it's, it's not about selling. I think sales is so easy right now because it's about connection. Yeah. Well, and, and so I, I tell people, you know, there's, there's a question that every customer asks, every buyer asks, and they don't ask it out loud, but they ask. And that question is, why you, right? Why should I invest my time in you? Why should I believe in you? Why should I give you my attention? I'm, go down the list. I have like 10 questions at all. Why you? Right. And it's not you, your company, it's not you, your product, it's you. And That's every right. person in the world, every you're going to deal with as a buyer, they ask this question about you. They don't verbalize it. Well, sometimes they do. I had, a, I had a, one of my early customers, one of my first sales, you know, my first sales job, I couldn't answer it because he asked the question, well, mm-hmm. why should I buy from you? 
and it wasn't me, the company, me, the product. It was the CEO of this company. I said, why should I buy from you? And six months into my sales career, I had no idea. Um, but eventually, he started taught me how to answer that question. But you don't, it's also a question you don't answer verbally either, right? Customer's not going to ask it of you. You can't explain why they should buy from you personally. It's through your actions that you, and the way you connect with people, the empathy right. you display. That's how you answer that question. And you're absolutely right. And so it is, did I, you know, I was talking to a woman, the other dog, and her, her Labrador wanted to play mm-hmm. during the Zoom call, you know, yeah. and he wanted to be part of it. And I'm not a big dog person, but I paused and stopped and we talked about her lab and his name and why he wants to play and what's going on. And she, you know, and she immediately said, okay, Sherilyn, um, how much? You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, it just, it just became, I want to become a client. How do we, right. how do we partner with you? How do we make this happen? I right. had another guy that I was talking with in, in Great Britain and his daughter came squealing into the room, four-year-old, just crying. And she's like, the spider, the spider, daddy, there's a spider. And I was like, wait, pause. Your daughter has a spider. Stop everything right now. Go take, Go care, take care of that care spider. Of right. I will be sitting here. Okay. <laughs> and and he was came back and he was like, that was so kind of you. He goes, most people wouldn't have done that. And I'm like... Are you kidding me? I don't like spiders. If you were my dad, I'd be screaming for you to come get right. my spider. And I thought, how do you not deal with this four-year-old? How do, you, how do I, as a salesperson, not stop and connect with that? Once again, he was a, you know, a, a chief person at a major company, and it was a huge mm-hmm. partnership. And he immediately was like, I'm going to the CEO. We're going to talk about how to make this partnership work. Right. And it had nothing to do with what I was pitching. It was because I think I paused and could be empathetic about his squealing four-year-old. Well, you're just a human, right? Right. I mean, this is this is this is, this is the key. So I, I think that that you know one of the mistaken assumptions we make when we hire salespeople is we assume they know how to be a human. You know, people fresh into work, especially <laughs> new people, you know, coming out of school, we put them in these jobs like an SDR role and go bang out calls and talk to all these people. And they wonder why they're not connecting. It's because right. what we've taught them is to assume this this persona, this act of the salesperson, when what we should be doing is teaching them just how to be a human first. And to be able to have these moments, as you discussed, where your, your, your character and your values come through through the way you act and react to situations. And you default to what's the best human way to do this first. Yeah. And, and, and I talk to people every day who don't do that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I was talking to a woman and she was um, talking to a potential client and she normally um, talks to, uh, she was talking to a prospective client, but when she's talking to her client, she wasn't always dressing up. So she dressed up and she put on makeup and she had set her, you know, nine-year-old doll and said, okay, do your work. When I'm done, we'll go to the park. Well, because it was such an important call and mommy was all dressed up, her nine-year-old came over and did something she'd never done before and plopped down next to her in front of the Zoom camera. But the prospective (laughs) client she was talking to was like, yeah, no, um, I'm not interested, and just cut her off. And she was upset, and I was like, all you can do is be your authentic self, and people like you more when you're your authentic self. And if that client didn't like you as a mom with a nine-year-old, then that's okay. Move on to the next one. Um, and lots so I think people like us better when we are authentic. And yeah. that includes our flaws and our dogs and our children and our spouses walking behind the camera and everything else that goes on. 
Well, and you you talk about that in the book with your people acronym about how to make a connection. And I thought that was, was a good thing, good number of things there because it is about being authentic. You know, your P, you talk about positive connection. You like asking people about their favorite meal they've had. Uh, you know, you're uh, open your heart. You talk about being playful, laugh and smile. I mean, these are these are things we don't train into sellers normally, which personally I believe we should. Um, yeah, you say tell a joke. Yeah, right. why? What I like to do is I, I tease people, right? If I'm dealing with a CEO and I feel like they're full of themselves and we're just not getting through, I'll find something just to sort of just tease gently, right? To sort of right. burst the bubble, and it's it's worked for me. It works for me. This is my authentic yeah. thing, my sense of humor. But yeah, you're talking about bringing yourself to the job. Right. One of the pl- I always start my Zoom calls by saying, you know, I, I said, we, you know, we all have different dining experiences. And when I go into the kitchen, the best thing I make is reservations. <laughs> right. um, and it makes people chuckle, just like you mm-hmm. did. And then I always say, share with me one unique or special either dining or cooking experience you've had in this last year. And people have amazing stories where they've gone into the kitchen and they've learned to make sushi or they've always wanted to make something and them and their spouse or their kids now have done this. They've baked bread. And Sour so what bread, it does, yes. right, it, what it does is it makes people think about at least something positive that mm. they wanted to share. So they laughed about my joke about I really don't make anything but reservations in the kitchen. Um, and my best dining experience was, you know, picking up sushi at this right. five-star restaurant that said they weren't going to do it, but finally they did. And and how um, and so I've connected with them. The other thing that I tell people is you have to remember you are joining the majority of your clients now in their home. They are joining mm-hmm. you in your home. So treat them like a guest in your home. Be on your Zoom calls early. Be the last one off. Introduce people. Talk to people just like you would and welcome them into mm-hmm. your home. If you, can you imagine how vulnerable we would be if every one of your clients walked through your front door? Well, it's the same way on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, true. that's the way that's right. the way I tell people. I said, so open your when I say open, open your heart. Uncross your arms. Smile. We can't touch people. We're not shaking hands. The best thing that we have is our smile. Um, open them into your heart. Make them laugh. And 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 take time to connect with them. Right. Well, and think about this from the perspective of the way we again get back to the way we train on board sellers and so on is is forever. And this is the way, you know, back when I was getting trained when covered wagons were still crossing the plains, is that that yeah, we teach people to act in the one way that almost everybody universally hates, which is being right. salesy. Right. And so if ever we had an experience in, in our lives that convinced us about the need to dispense with being salesy, this was it, right? Open the door to just being you and yeah. stop with the act because the act of being salesy is not one that anyone wants to experience. Yeah. And, and like you, Andy, I was taught that empathy, I was taught the feel, felt, found method. And I don't know if you remember that. But I oh, was I taught yeah. early in, in my sales career that empathy was to say, I know how you feel. I have felt the same way. And here's what I have found. found right. And I tell people now is if you start a sentence with I, you're not beginning, you're not being empathetic. Mm-hmm. Empathy is about you how you are feeling, what your needs are, and how do I help meet you where you are? Right. And, and you know, 
And, and, and the other thing that I talk about is level three listening, is empathetic listening. So level one listening is what I call restaurant listening. You go into a restaurant and the waiter goes, we have salmon and we have steak. And I go, okay, do I want salmon or do I want steak? A lot of salespeople sit there with, I, I, I. I've got a solution. I'm waiting to talk. I'm waiting to talk. I'm thinking about me. That's level one. Level two listening is what is better. A lot of us were taught this reflective listening. Somebody says, I'm sad. And you say, oh, I see that you're sad. And you just reflect back what they say. I challenge salespeople to do empathetic listening, which is level three listening, which is listening between the words. Mm -hmm. What emotions are you hearing? What feelings are you seeing? Um, What is somebody not saying? Is Mm -hmm. somebody speeding up? Does their voice get quiet? Does their voice slow down when they talk about something? Um, Do they they pause? Um, Listen for those things. And it's okay to say, hey, um, are you okay? You know, mm-hmm. is this is this a good time? Um, you paused at that point. What 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 were you? What was going on? What mm-hmm. else are you thinking about that? That connects you to people. Yeah. What's on your mind? Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because at that point, you're what you're trying to do is you're trying to listen to understand. And I so you know my belief about empathy. And it's, I didn't create this, but is that you know it's empathy is not about knowing how someone feels. It's about understanding why they feel the way they do. That's right. empathy, right? So to get it to is. that point, you have to do the level three listening. You have to ask more questions. You have to ask, yeah, hey, what's on your mind? Um, to understand. Otherwise, you're just assuming that you know. Right. And if you use your assumption as the basis of moving forward and, and driving the conversation, then chances are you're going to be on the wrong path. Absolutely. So this all goes back to your idea about the pause and the breathing. I talk about the pause and the listening. Uh, Stephen Covey had written about that as well, you know, the, how important these pauses are. Yeah, build in some extra time when you're talking to someone. You're listening to really understand. Yeah, I talk about uh, count one Mississippi, you know, like an old touch football days, before you, mm-hmm. <laughs> before you respond. Just in, in your mind, one Mississippi. Right. And then give your time to process. And, and people think when they pause that that's, that's, I've had clients say, well, then they'll think I don't know what I'm talking about. I said, no, they'll think you're really smart because you're thinking. Right. I said, when you pause, people think you're thinking and they think you're really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and smiling um, connects you with people. Um, you know, smiling releases enough endorphins with us, like they say, it's almost like having 12 chocolate bars. So it's lots of endorphins. It's a feel good for us. It connects with people. I also tell people that when you smile, they say it makes you look ten pounds younger and ten years <laughs> ten years younger and ten pounds lighter. So for I all those that. reasons, I why wouldn't we smile? You know. <laughs> so smile so that you look younger, you feel better, uh, you, um, and it's it's a great way to connect with people. But it's appropriate, regardless of it's in person on a video conversation or just on the phone with someone. You know, before video, you know, we would coach and I would coach. Make sure if you're on the phone with someone, smile. It comes across. Uh, it sort of gets overdone. You see movies about call centers and, you know, the hack boss is saying smile, but it really does work. It does. It does. People can tell. And, and people appreciate it. 
Um, and, 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 and I think a lot of people have started saying, oh, people have Zoom fatigue. I'm like, people don't have Zoom fatigue. People have bad Zoom call fatigue, okay? <laughs> and so, point. you know, if, if you are connecting with people and you make people laugh and people are engaging, people can, will not, cannot wait to turn their camera on and be with you. Okay. It's so if, 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 if you are doing boring Zoom calls and you start every Zoom call with, Oh, isn't this pandemic horrible? Isn't this, and we talk about mm. how horrible it is. And then we go into the same drawn out, um, pitch. Yeah. Those are going to be boring and people are going to hate those. You want your clients to jump. My clients jump on the call to talk to me and turn their Zoom right. camera on. Oh, look, Sherilyn, what I've been up to. Oh, and let me tell you about this because I care. And that's what it's about. So you're in control that your Zoom calls are exciting. You're in control of your Zoom calls. Um, come up with a question. I, I list a whole bunch of questions and ideas. I mean, mm-hmm. ask people what is there. What's what's one? What are three apps they can't live without on their phone? Is a great way to start a conversation. You mm-hmm. know, what's the what is their superpower? Everybody has a superpower. Everybody loves talking about the superpower. You know, you just what is your superpower? What's what's the thing that you do well that nobody knows? What's right. one thing that's not on your LinkedIn profile that nobody knows? I mean, there's so many things you can ask people. Well, and this goes back to the conversation we had at or at the beginning of our conversation we were talking about is the same group of people who are advocating that relationships are important also say, small talk, no. And they don't understand the power of small talk, which is researchers have demonstrated beyond a question, the power of small talk to begin to form this rapport and find this common ground with someone, these shared experiences we talk about. I mean, it's there was a study that was done, and somebody shared the results with me a couple of years ago about what's, what's the best ice-breaking question you can ask somebody. And it was mm-hmm. simply... Where are you from? And and the thing with that, the power of that question is that once you hear it, well, you can sort of go one of two ways, right? It can be personal. Where am I from? I'm from Wisconsin. Or business-wise, right. well, you know, I, I started my career here and this is what – and then you follow that. And if you, and if you can't come up with a follow-up question to either one of those paths, then again, we've got coaching. We can help you with that. But right. – um, it just opens the doors. And something simple, you don't have to spend 20 minutes. This is the other thing I think, again, these people who misunderstand relationships and misunderstand small talk, it's not, I'm going to spend 10 minutes talking about that. I can spend a minute talking about it, and I've made a connection. And it, and it's so important. The other thing that I ask, I, I tell people to do is, if you have known somebody, if you've known a client for a while or anybody, um, and you're not sure where to start because you know where they work or anything. I always ask people, say to people, how's your family? Everybody mm-hmm. has family. Everybody, yep. you know, and just, it, 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 that is a, especially what's going on, just how's your family? Right. And people will say, oh, my kids are, or my spouses, or my parents are, or my siblings are. But it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's an easy question that just says, I care. And I just, before we jump into business, how are you? How's your family? How's everybody mm-hmm. doing? Um, it's, it's, it's a simple way to say, you know, thank you for sharing. I'm glad everybody's okay. Or I'm sorry to hear that. Right. Um, and then, and then you can move on, but at least you, you, you would let people know that you're human and right. that you care. And one of the questions that somebody asked me, or we had a discussion about was, um, what's wrong with sales leadership today? <laughs> and is it that they don't oh, that. care? And, and, and I was much, like, how much time do you have? <laughs> well, and I was going to say, you know, if your sales leader is not vulnerable, how are your sales team going to be vulnerable? And oh, so sure. I challenge every sales manager 
to be a little vulnerable with your team um, yeah. and encourage them to be vulnerable. And so, you know, if you, um, you know, one of the things that I, I always start out with is uh, first job, worst job. As a sales manager, talk about your worst job. Talk about your failure. Yep. It allows you to be vulnerable and human. Right. You don't have to be perfect and it will help you connect with them. Um, so We've all failed. We all we've have. All, we've all failed. We're in sales. We've all failed, right? It's the nature of the job. Every day. You know, we don't win yes. 100% of our deals. Uh, so we have failures. Le great learning experience. Yeah, I, the culture thing is, is so important as well for sellers because it's, yeah, we see lots of bad examples of bad bad behavior. And I, you know, I sort of draw the distinction between sales bosses who are sort of the command and control, we're all salesy, you know, right. versus sales leaders that are are vulnerable, are trying to inspire people to do a better job, do focus on the development of their people. And we just, yeah, we need more sales leaders these days and fewer bosses. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and like you said, leaders have relationships with their individual team members. Leaders connect with their individual sales professionals. And leaders are empathetic and they are vulnerable. And um, and when you demonstrate those, that's what your sales team is going to emulate. And that's where the success comes. Right. And I think the leaders, too, for me, is is the differences. The sales leaders, to a point you had made about you know, one of, in the book about one of the five strategies for for uh, succeeding in sales is development, right? As the leaders focus on the development of the individuals, it's, they're not focused on, hey, how do I use this great technology of access to, to make every seller sell like the best person, which is impossible, right? As best you can hope is to become the best version of themselves. So how do you as a leader help develop someone to become the best version of themselves? Mm -hmm. If you're not focused on that, then... Well, you're just a boss, I guess, at that point. Right. And, and and also, as a salesperson, we have to focus on our own development. What can I do so that I can be a better salesperson in these times? So if my clients are changing, how do I change? Right. What can I do better? Do I need to be a better listener? Do I need to, need to open my Zoom meetings better? You know, mm -hmm. what can I challenge myself to do? Can I can I learn to tell a joke? You know, you may not be great at jokes, but find a one-liner like I did that makes everybody smile. Mm -hmm. And everybody smiles when I say that, you know, I only make reservations. Right. It's, you know, find something like that that makes everybody smile. Uh, or, um, or, or tell a story about a failure, anything that makes people connect. So we have to be as salespeople. We have to we have to be committed to development. Yeah, I, and I would say that that part of that is is that you know I think people misunder fundamentally misunderstand Darwin's you know survival of the fittest, which it's not the strong or the fastest survive. It's the adaptable, and that's what Darwin wrote about. It's it's the ability to adapt that is the key key evolutionary trait that enables people to survive. And as a seller, to your point. If you're not adapting to what's new, if you're not, especially in this environment, right, that's a huge change or just over the last year, be a big change coming in the next year, right? right? Is If you're not adapting, if you're not open to this, that's the problem. And so you really have to focus on that adaptability and being flexible, uh, being open-minded, you know, lots of things that you point out. Absolutely. All right. Well, Sherilyn, it's been fantastic to talk with you. So if people want to connect with you again and support what you're doing, please remind people. 
Um, absolutely. You can connect with me on um, through Sisters in Sales, which is www.sistasinsales.com. sistersinsales.com. Um, you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always welcome to be connected. I will introduce and share my network with you. If you are a black or brown woman, join Sisters in Sales and find out what we're doing. If you are a sales leader and you want to add dynamic women to your sales team, connect with me at Sisters in Sales. And if you want to connect with me just personally, you can reach me at SherilynCastleman.com. Also, my book, which is um, What's in the Cards, Five mm-hmm. Post-Pandemic Sales Strategies. You can learn about the book at postpandemicselling.com or on Amazon. Um, so that's how you reach me. I, um, I'm delighted to be here with you, Andy, and to share kind of my thoughts about um, post-pandemic selling. And as the relationship sales expert, I think relationships are key to everything, not just sales, but everything coming out of this pandemic. Agree 100%. Down. And I, yeah, I urge people to pick up the book. Uh, it's a nice quick read, which is great. Uh, organized, you have lots of acronyms, which I love. You must have been, you're after my own heart with that. Uh, <laughs> makes things easy to easy it makes to remember. Things easy to remember. It does. Yep. Just, you Absolutely. know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my editor is editing out many of my acronyms as we speak. <laughs> my but. editor tried, and I was like, no, nope, that's the way I teach. That's what I'm about. I, I have to simplify things, and we're going to leave those in there. So. <laughs> yeah, so, but anyway. All right, Sherilyn, thank you so much. Thank you, Andy. Have a good one. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. As always, I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Jerry Lynn Castleman, for sharing her insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you could also leave us a review and let us know how we're doing, we'd certainly appreciate that. You can do all that on your phone in less than a minute as soon as this episode is over. So thank you for your help with that. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.